So we have been uh, doing a series on Thursday nights in Cal for the last couple weeks uh, called True Religion, True Relationship. We started two weeks ago, uh, and we're going to wrap up uh, this week. The basic heart uh, behind the series is that uh, in biblical Christianity, the rules, the beliefs, and the traditions uh, should never be emphasized over us having a personal relationship with Jesus. That, uh, man, there are rules and they're important. There are things to believe and they're important. But to the degree that we emphasize those things over the relationship part, the relationship with God, the relationship with Jesus, and that's that's where we get it wrong. Um, You know, when we embrace those rules uh, and use them as a way to keep God at arm's length, to distance ourselves from God, uh, and there's no real faith, there's no real relationship with Christ, and that religion is empty. Uh, It's hollow. There's no life in it. Uh, A proper way to understand Christianity and what makes it different from every other religious system on the planet. And guys, there's there's lots. There's hundreds and hundreds of different religious systems. What makes Christianity uh, unique is that if every other religious system on the planet is about what I can do or believe or think uh, in order to connect with God or gods or the universe or to reach a higher plane of existence, it's about what I can do to somehow connect with the higher power. What makes Christianity unique is it's not about what we do. It's about what God has already done for us in Christ Jesus. That God did all the work, and then we receive it by faith, we believe it, uh, we accept it, and we enter into a relationship with Him because of what He did, not because of anything we do or because we believe the right things or say the right things, but because of what He did uh, through Jesus Christ on the cross for us. Um, and yes, there are rules. Yes, there, 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 is, man, there, there is a religious aspect involved, but all those things should work together with uh, a personal relationship with God, and they should never be emphasized over a personal uh, relationship with God. And if you guys don't know, if you've never been told God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you, uh, He's not a faraway, distant force in the cosmos that created the earth, sent it spinning, and then you're on your own, right? Uh, that the God is revealed to us in Scripture is a personal God, an intimate God that wants to uh, man, adopt you into His family as a son and a daughter. That's the kind of relationship you can have uh, with God, where you can call on Him the way you would uh, a loving father who's, who's there, who cares, who, who wants to be involved in every detail of your life um, and, and wants to, to bless you, wants you to be able to experience the fullness of his love and everything that he has for you. Um, last, week, uh, last week, Jackie talked about um, the importance of having a real relationship with God versus just appearing like you do on the outside. Like you can have all the right appearances, you can go through all the right motions um, and so she contrasted uh, the life of King Saul with the life of King David. King Saul looked good on the outside, uh, but man, he, he didn't have that, that, that passionate relationship with God on the inside uh, that led him, you know, he ended up disobeying God, ended up being rejected. Whereas David, uh, man, maybe didn't look on the outside like what you would think a king of Israel should look like, but because his heart was after God, God uh, anointed him, he elevated him, he raised him up, and he used him powerfully uh, for his kingdom. Um, Tonight we're going to wrap up the series. We're going to tie these different ideas together and think about, uh, okay, what should this look like in our daily lives? So, man, if we're going to give our relationship with God first place in our life, um, that, that, uh, that we're going to man, obey God, obey, obey the rules, do those kind of things, but it's going to flow out of because we want to, because we love Him, not because we feel like if we, don't, we need to check all these boxes so He accepts us. So if we're going to have that kind of relationship with God, that real and living relationship with God, what should that look like in our lives? Like, how will our lives look different because of it? And that's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, it'll be the last part of the conclusion of this series, Real Religion, or sorry, True Religion, True Relationship. 
Uh, if we're truly devoted to God, pursuing a real relationship with Him, uh, what should our lives look like? Uh, another way to think about it is this. If someone really is a Christian, if someone really does have a relationship with God, how can you tell? Like, should you be able to tell just looking at that person? And so there's three things that I think are going to be evident uh, in a person's life. The three things we're going to touch on tonight. And the first of that is if someone really has a relationship with God, the first thing that's going to be evident in their life is love. Love. L-O-V-E. Love. Um, how can you tell if someone is a vegetarian? We have at least one vegetarian in the house. You guys don't have to, you guys don't have to raise your hand or anything. But how do you know if someone's a vegetarian? Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't order me, they don't eat me. Or they just tell you. Yeah, so the traditional joke is that they'll tell you, right? You don't have to wonder, they'll tell you. Kira's not that way. She, but, but sometimes you make a vegetarian friend and, and they're, they're quick to tell you that. You don't have to wonder. Um, how can you tell if someone is a Cubs fan? They'll tell you, right? Uh, they're repping, yeah. They're going to have the hat on, especially now. They're going to have the jacket on. Uh, you're you're going to know all about it. Um, yeah, and so there, there's, different, there's different things about people that are kind of indicators. Oh, yes, this person um, man, is obviously, obviously a Grizzlies fan because they're, they're decked out uh, in Grizzlies stuff. Man, this guy, this guy over here, he loves the Tigers uh, because, because, man, he's, he's got his face painted like a tiger and he's, he's, all, he's all Memphis, he's true blue. And, and so there's different things that, that you see that person, you're like, you know, you know, that, you know what they are, you know what they're about, you know what's important in their life. If you were to look at a Christian, you know, what, what is the thing that you'd say, oh, okay, yeah, that person loves Jesus, obviously. That person is definitely a follower of Jesus. Uh, and, and, and it's this, it's love. Uh, this is what Jesus says about it. He says in, it's going to be John chapter 13. Verse 34 and 35. Yeah, John 13, 34 and 35. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can look there. The, the verse is going to be up, up on the screen as well. Um, Jesus says, you want to know if someone is, is a follower of mine? Here's how you can tell. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, you're my followers, if you love one another. Jesus says that, this is the defining characteristic of a Christian. Above anything else, the defining characteristic of a Christian is their life should overflow with the love of Jesus. They should just love people like crazy. And if you see someone and they just love really, really well, uh, and not just, not just love like, like romantic love or how the world thinks of love, but love, Jesus says, love, love others like I've loved you. A sacrificial love, a love that puts the needs of someone else ahead of your own. When you see someone loving like that, that's a good indicator. Hey, this person might be a follower of Jesus, right? Jesus says that's how it should be. Uh, that that should be the defining trait, the defining characteristic of a Christian. Um, is that we love one another. Not that we're perfect all the time, that we never sin. Uh, even though we should be trying to, trying to overcome sin in our life, should be trying to live in a way that pleases God. Uh, it's not that we read the Bible every day, even though we probably should. It's not that we pray every day, you know, even though that we should, uh, even though those things are important. Uh, now, if you lead a life of holiness, and let's say you, 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 and you never sin, you, you live a, a perfect holy life, you read your Bible every day, you pray constantly, but you don't love other people, you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then you are not really following Jesus. You do not really have a relationship with God. You've got that empty, hollow religion that's just rules to check off. It's just, man, I believe these things, check, check, check. 
But Jesus says, if you're really following me, you really have a relationship with me, it's going to show because you're going to love people. You're going to love your brothers and sisters. You're going to love the people around you. And you're going to love them like I love you, willing to lay your life down for them, willing to serve them, willing to meet their needs. This should be the defining characteristic of a Christian. Uh, and, then, and that's the way Jesus says the world's going to recognize that we're his followers. Other people are going to take note. That's how it should be. Um, the world's going to recognize that. They're going to say, uh, they're going to say, man, man, there's something different about that person. I want to know. They're going to ask you, man, what, what makes it to where you... I get frustrated with people. I get impatient with people, right? People get on my nerves. But I see you and you just love people like crazy. What is it about you? Sarah, tell me. Tell me. I want to know. Man, how do you just love people so well? And, and if you don't love people, they're going to notice that too, right? And then if you're, if you're claiming to be a Christian, uh, but you are unkind, ungenerous to people, uh, and you, you speak negatively, rudely about people, uh, you're gossiping about people, you're, you're tearing other people down, uh, you're not treating people in a way that Jesus would people notice that too. Um, and they're going to say, there goes another mean uptight religious person, right? Uh, and they're going to get a view of Christians and, and by extension a view of Jesus that's not true. That's not right. They're, you know, for, for a lot of people, the, the only, all that they know of Jesus is the interactions they have with his followers, right? All they know about the Jesus, all they know about Jesus is the Jesus that they see living in you, shining through you. Uh, and if the Jesus is shining through you is, is not, is not the, the, the love of Christ, it's not, not those kind of things, um, and they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth for Christianity in general and Jesus specifically. But Jesus says, man, our lives should be marked by love. If, if, if our lives are full of anything, if you can say anything else is true of us, it needs to be, it needs to be true that our lives are full of his love. Um, another verse to look at, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. 1 John 4, 19 and 20. John writes this. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. If anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So if someone says, yeah, I love God, I'm a Christian, but man, that person, man, they're holding up hate and bitterness in their heart towards other people. They don't, there are certain groups of people they don't, they don't treat well, they don't, they don't care for, they're, they're, they're prejudiced, they're, uh, man, they're, they're racist, whatever else. Uh, John, John's saying, you can't, you can't be like that and say that you love God. I'm going to say that you're a liar. You don't really know God at all. If you've got those kind of things in, in your heart and, you're, and you're, not, you're not dealing with those kind of things, then, then I'm going to say, no, you're a liar. You don't really know God at all. And he says this, how can you say that you love God who you can't see, who's invisible, but then you hate people who are right in front of you? He says, that doesn't make any sense at all. And instead, of, if, if we're... If we're in a relationship with God and we're meditating on, man, how much he's loved us, how much he's sacrificed for us, laying down his own life for us, um, then, then as we kind of dwell on those things and think about, man, how he's been merciful to us, he's been compassionate to us, that, that love's going to flow in our heart and it's going to affect how we treat other people. And it may be, say, God, I need you to deal with my heart because, man, as, as I'm looking at these verses, I'm convicted because I know there are people that I don't love well, I don't think of well, and, and God, have mercy on me and help me. Um, you know, pray, God, would you help me to see whatever group of people, help me to see him like you do. Help me to, help me to see him as Jesus did. That Jesus was willing to lay down his life for these people. And uh, maybe I've been treated badly by a certain person or a certain group of people. And, and I know that's tainted me. I know there's bitterness there. Uh, God, would you help me? Would you help me to forgive? Would you help me to let go? Would you help me to love them like you love them? Help me to see them like you see them as people that are made in God's image, that God loves, that Jesus died for, that have value and dignity and worth. Um, and help me to love people well, Jesus. Man, that, that, that's our prayer tonight, is that, 
is that we want to love well. Um, man, it's Chi Alpha. We want to be, we want to be known as, man, that's that, that's that group on campus. They just love people like crazy. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. or, or They're, they're going to love you, uh, and, and they're going to they're love you, and they're going to treat you right no matter what. Um, the defining characteristic of a Christian who is truly experiencing a life-changing relationship with God is their life should be marked by love. So that's the first one, love. And the second thing is similar. If we love others, that should move us towards compassion, uh, which is more than just having nice feelings toward them or warm, fuzzy thoughts towards them. It should motivate us towards action. And if you love people, what is that motivating you to do for them? Right? It's one thing to think loving thoughts towards somebody. Think, man, I'm thinking really good things about Mark. Man, Mark's a great guy. I'm thinking really pleasant, positive things about him. Okay, what am I doing though, right? Like how, how is that feeling motivating me to actually bless him, help him, make his life better? You know what I'm saying? So the number two is going to be compassion. Compassion. These are the three things that we should see uh, in, in the life of a person who's in a relationship with God, real relationship, and not just going through the motions, not just empty religion. Their life should be full of love and their life should be full of compassion. Look at this verse here. First John, uh, again, First John 3, uh, starting in verse 16. And John writes, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. You know, what is your relationship with God, your love for God, motivating you to do? John says it should be motivating you to care for the less fortunate around you, the people around you that you see um, and aren't as well off, and there's something you can do to help them. Uh, he, he says, so you, you've, got, you've, got, you've got extra money, and you see someone in need, uh, and, and you don't, you're not moved to compassion at all, and you don't, that doesn't stir you at all. Um, John says, man, how can the love of God be in you? Uh, that that, that if, we, if we are able to help someone, man, we should try to do that, right? And, and I know that, uh, it's okay. I know that, um, that man, man, some of you guys thinking, well, my, I mean, I don't have two nickels to rub together myself, right? I'm, I'm broke right here too. But there's something, right? There's something you can do. You can give somebody a ride, unless you're Kira who needs her car fixed, right? Uh, you can, you can, 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 can walk with somebody, you can be a friend, you can sit with someone who's lonely. Like, there's all kinds of things you can do for someone that don't, don't cost a penny, right? Uh, but, but a way that you can show compassion, you can show love to someone, um, and you can, can make a meal for somebody, you can help somebody study, uh, and there's all kinds of things you can do um, to, to show compassion, to help someone that's in need. But what John's saying here is, if you're able to help, man, help, man, help. That's the way we're going to show the love of Jesus. And it says that we know what real love is because Jesus showed us love first, right? It's not that we loved God first and then he loved us back. No, God loved us first. And he demonstrated that love for us by sending Jesus, um, man, who loved people that treated him terribly uh, and was willing to die, willing to suffer and die so that God could forgive our sins uh, and welcome us into the family of God. Um, so what is your relationship with God motivating you to do? How is it pointing you towards relieving the suffering of those around you? How is it pointing you towards helping uh, those around you that are in need. Because if you're not motivated to compassion by the needs of those around you, what you have may just be an empty religion, right? That if it's real relationship with God, uh, it should be making you compassionate towards us, just as compassionate towards others, just as God was compassionate enough towards us to give us his son. Uh, n- another verse to look at, uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. 
James 1.27. So we're talking about true religion. What is true religion? Uh, James writes this, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Um, you know, so James is kind of saying, Man, you want a, a real religion that pleases God? You want, you want something that, that, that God looks at and is, is pleased with? This is what it looks like. Man, caring for those that are less fortunate. Man, taking care of orphans. Taking care of widows. Taking care of, you fill in the blank, whatever it is in your community, the people that are, uh, man, don't, don't have as many opportunities as you, don't have as many privileges as you, don't have as many whatever it is, uh, that, that, that they need help, they need a hand up, and you can do something to help them. Uh, James says, that's real religion. And you you actually going out and loving people and helping people. Uh, not spending all day you know, in your room, on your face, praying, even though praying is important. Not, not, not all day with your nose in the Bible, even though, man, reading the Bible is important and will enrich your life. And he says, a real religion that pleases God, you're out, you're out there helping people. You're out there serving people. You're out there figuring out what people's needs are and figuring out how you can be part of how God wants to meet those needs. Whatever it looks like. And so you guys can think about, who are the people in my life uh, that may have real needs and it's maybe something I can help with. Or God, I see real needs and I don't even know where to start to help. Holy Spirit, would you show me maybe something I can do that I'm not thinking of? Give me a creative idea, uh, you know, that, that a way that I can bless them, a way that I can encourage them. Again, it's as simple as, man, going, going and spending time with someone that you know is lonely. Uh, being, being a friend to somebody. Um, and sharing a meal with somebody. Helping somebody study. Maybe, maybe you're good at math and they're not so hot at math. Maybe you say, hey, let me, let me give you some pointers. This is what helped me to do so well in math. Uh, whatever that might be. But, but looking at the people in your life, the people in your community that are not as fortunate, uh, that need help, I mean, that God's blessed you and figure out, okay, God, you bless me. How can I use what you've entrusted to me to help other people, to bless other people, to make other people's life better? Where do I see suffering that I can help relieve it? Where do I see injustice in my community that I can help relieve that injustice? Because we know that's the heart of God the Father, is to see suffering relieved, uh, to see there be, be peace, to see there be joy. Uh, to see to see injustice set right, um, those kind of things. We need to be about those kind of things in our community, in our world, for the glory of God. And James says that's the kind of religion God's looking for, a religion that actually makes a difference in your communities because you're being compassionate to people that have real needs. Amen? Our series is called True Religion, True Relationship. And that's what, that's what the Bible says true religion should look like, caring for those less fortunate than you, serving them, uh, fighting injustice, standing up for those that can't stand up for themselves, meeting people's needs, not just thinking nice thoughts towards them, right? Thoughts and prayers, right? He says, no, not just thoughts and prayers, but do something, right? Let it motivate you to action. Um, I mean, guys, thankful God didn't just think nice, warm, fuzzy thoughts towards you, right? But he was moved to compassion. He was moved to action. He said, I'm not content that they would be estranged from me, far off, away from me, lost in their sins, uh, I'm not okay with that, so I'm going to do something about it. And he sent his son Jesus uh, man, man, to, to, to live and give us an example, to die on a cross, uh, man, to, to take our punishment, uh, to raise from the dead, conquering death for us so we could have eternal life just by believing and trusting in him. Um, man, I'm thankful that God didn't just have warm and fuzzy thoughts towards me, right? But he was moved to action. He was moved to compassion. Um, is your relationship with God moving you towards that? Uh, so we're talking about love. We're talking about compassion. The last one is this. Uh, a life-giving relationship with God is going to cause you to long for others to know Him the way you do. Your life is going to be marked by mission. You say, man, if I, I'm in a relationship with God, I love God, I'm experiencing, man, the fullness and the blessings of having that relationship with God, I'm going to long for the people in my life to know God the way I do. 
And I'm going to see people that are disconnected from God. And so they're, they don't have hope. They don't have peace. They don't have joy. Um, they're struggling through life. And, and you know that, man, if they had a relationship with God like I do, if they knew Jesus like I do, man, it would make their life so much better. Uh, there's going to be a longing in your heart to see other people come to know Jesus. Um, you remember when we started the series uh, two weeks ago and we talked about that the heart of man is to reject intimacy with God. That deep down, man, we, we want to keep God at arm's length because we want to do whatever we want to do, right? We don't want anyone else to, uh, to be in control of our life. Um, you know, we, we just want, you know, God, you give me a list of rules to follow and I'll check the boxes and I'll feel good about myself. Um, but, but I don't want that close personal intimacy. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with you directly. Can you give me some kind of mediator, right? Some kind of go-between. I'll just listen to the pastor. I'll just listen to my Bible study leader. You know, I'll just listen to, man, my mom's a Christian. I'll just kind of do what she says, but I don't actually want to know you personally. Um, you know, we, we were reading the book of Exodus, and we saw where, where God called uh, the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. And he says, man, I want to make you my people, and I'm going to be your God. And he appears to them on this mountain called Sinai, and there's thunder and lightning and a thick cloud of smoke, and it is absolutely terrifying. And the people say, Moses, you go talk to God for us. We're going to keep our distance. Whatever he tells you to do, you tell us. We'll obey it. We promise. Uh, but you be our go-between, right? We're going to keep our distance. Um, how about you go talk to God for us? The heart of man was we want, we want a mediator, right? We don't want close relationship. Um, you know, and that's kind of what we were, what we were talking about. Uh, and and so, so God gave them what they wanted for a season. And Moses was that mediator. He raised up priests and prophets to be go-betweens who would intercede for the people in prayer, who would make sacrifices on behalf of the people, uh, who would deliver the word of God to the people. God gave them these mediators. They'd be prophets and priests that served the nation of Israel for, you know, throughout that how many hundred year period uh, before Jesus came. But then... And God sends His Son, Jesus, to be both a perfect mediator and a perfect sacrifice for us. Um, you know, you know G- Jesus comes and, and, you know, so they have hundreds of years where they were sacrificing animals so that they could have their sins forgiven, right? So that that punishment could, could, could be laid on something else so God could extend them mercy. And then Jesus says, I'm going to be that once and for all sacrifice. You know, so when I die on the cross, the punishment for your sin can be laid on me instead so God can be gracious towards you uh, you can make it like you never sinned at all, that you're perfectly clean, uh, and you can be welcomed into the family of God. And for those of you guys that think, man, uh, I don't know, you don't know how rough my life's been, you don't know how big I screwed up, how big I failed, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is a, a free gift that's extended to everyone. It doesn't matter how big you've blown it. It doesn't matter how big you feel like you failed or screwed up. Um, that, that in a moment, when you put your trust in Jesus and what He did on the cross for you, uh, you're made completely clean. You're made completely new. You're a new creation. Uh, and welcome into the family of God as a son, as a daughter. God says, man, here, I've got you a room for you in my house. I've got a seat for you at my table. I'm yours and you're mine forever and ever and ever. When I look at you, I don't see all the failures and the mistakes and the screw-ups. I see you as perfectly clean uh, because of what Jesus did. Uh, and, and I love you just as you are. Um, and and this, is, this is what's available for everyone that says, man, yeah, I want that. I want to put my trust in Jesus that way. I want to enter into a relationship with God. Uh, that way. And after Jesus suffers on the cross, something miraculous happens. When we read in the Gospels, we, it says there's an earthquake. Uh, the ground is shaken. The temple where the priests would go and, and mediate and make sacrifices is shaken. And so there's a huge curtain there. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. A curtain that separated the place where you would be allowed to stand if you were in the temple and then a holy place that no one was allowed to go into. 
uh, where, where the presence of God rested. Um, and there, uh, a priest, a high priest, would be allowed to go in there once a year to make prayers and intercessions for the people. Um, and even then, man, it was such a holy place that he was risking his life. He might drop dead in the presence of God because the place was that holy. Uh, in, in this earthquake, when Jesus is crucified, that huge curtain is torn from top to bottom. Uh, basically, God's saying, man, the, this curtain that separated us, um, and the, this thing that kept us from having close intimacy uh, is done away with because of what Jesus did. Uh, and I want to welcome you into my presence. I want to welcome you into relationship. Uh, and that's what's available for all of us. Um, you know, Jesus became the mediator for us that makes us right with God. He also became that, that sacrifice for us once and for all. Um, we no longer need a human mediator, right? We no longer need a priest to, to pray for us or to make sacrifices for us. Jesus has already done that. Um, you know, God raised Jesus from the dead, and now Christ himself is our mediator, praying for us, interceding before us before the Father. So Jesus is up in heaven right now praying for you, praying for you, interceding before the Father for you. I mean, I don't know what that looks like, but I think it would be amazing to hear. You know, what kind of prayers is Jesus praying for me right now? Right? What kind of prayers is Jesus praying for you right now? Uh, but, but that's his role right now, interceding, praying for you, um, forever praying for us, guiding us, uh, and, and his, his sacrifice on the cross is what, what makes us right with God. Um, so Christ himself is now our mediator, but not only that, we become mediators as well, helping other people to be reunited with God. You know, the same role that Jesus has on the earth of helping people to have a relationship with God uh, as his followers, he extends that same responsibility to us. Take a look at 1 Peter with me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter 2, 9. This is Peter here, the, the head of the early church. He writes to, to, to Christians, to the church. He says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. He says that as Christians, man, you're a chosen people. God picked you out and He says, I want you. I want you. I want you to be part of my family. I want you to be one of my people. Uh, he chose us and He says that we as Christians are a royal priesthood. And that does not mean priest is your vocation. You know, some of you guys may go into ministry. Some of you guys may be pastors and teachers and missionaries. And you may, you may go into ministry. Um, but he says, no matter what your job is, you are a priest. No matter if you are a baker, a used car salesman, if you are a surgeon, if you are a politician, you are a priest. And you are mediating a relationship with God to those around you. You're helping other people to come into a relationship with God by declaring, uh, it says, the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into light. So that's sharing your testimony. That's saying, man, look what God did in my life. I'm not, you know, I'm not a priest. I'm an electrician or I'm an engineer. You know, but, but to, to my coworkers, to the people I come in contact with every day, let me tell you what God did for me. Man, let me tell you my story. Because I was an absolute mess when God found me, right? Like, I, I didn't have anything right. Um, but God had mercy on me. Man, he called me out of that. Here's what Jesus did for me. And as you share your testimony, you share about the glory of God, you share about what Jesus has done, you're acting as a priest that's helping mediate people, helping them to connect with God, helping them to experience a relationship with God. Um, that, that's what God wants for us. He wants us to be a nation of priests, looking at the people around us and saying, man, how can I pray for them, intercede for them? That they may not know God, but I'm going to be in my prayer closet praying for them. Holy Spirit, would you draw them into a relationship with you? Holy Spirit, would you give me an opportunity to share Christ with them or share my testimony with them? And when I'm in conversations with them, I'm thinking, you know, same as if you guys have ever had 
lunch or coffee with a pastor, with a priest, right? What do they want to talk about? Yeah, they want to talk about God, right? Like, you may try to talk about sports. You may try to talk about anything else. They're going to figure out a way. They're smart, right? To turn that conversation, we're going to talk about God stuff. We're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about Jesus, right? Uh, and, and so Peter here says, you are to be a nation of priests. That in every conversation you're in, you're thinking, okay, we're talking about superficial, surface-level stuff. That's okay. We're talking about, man, who won the World Series. We're talking about, man, what the weather's like. We're talking about how school going. But I'm thinking in the back of my mind, how can we talk about stuff that really matters? How can I figure out what the deep needs are for their heart uh, and, and how God wants to address those things? How, how can I figure out kind of where they're at, if they have a relationship with God or not? How can I, man, work in my testimony, what God's done for me? Um, that, that's what a priest does, right? That's what a pastor does. And God wants you to be that to the people around you, a nation of priests. So this isn't written just to missionaries or just to pastors. This is written to all Christians. And all y'all are, are, are priests. You have that kind of responsibility to help mediate other people into a relationship with God. One more verse to look at. One more uh, yeah, short, short passage of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's going to be verse 17 through 20. Uh, if you guys don't know, Chi Alpha gets its name from this passage here. So you'll see why in a minute. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17. Um, and, and, and really, all of chapter 5, you guys can read it later, is, is kind of continuing this theme, continuing this idea. Um, but I'm just going to read this chunk here, 17 through 20. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. So that's good news. Like I said before, it doesn't matter who you were before. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are a new creation. You are a, literally a new person spiritually. Um, and God transforms you. He makes you brand new. Uh, the old is gone, the new has come. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Like I said at the beginning, uh, it's not about what we did to earn God's favor. It's about what God did for us. You know, God sent his son Jesus to die for us, uh, to reconcile us to God. And now he's giving you that ministry of reconciliation. Uh, so so Jesus has, has given you the keys to the company car. He's given you... Uh, his desk at the office. He's saying, hey, my job is, is your job now. I want you to minister reconciliation to the people around you. Um, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. What is the message of reconciliation? Just telling the good news of the gospel. Here's what God did for you. If you don't know it, if you've not heard it, here's what God has done for you. He's made a way for you to know God, to have a relationship with God, and have all of your sins forgiven. Have all of your sins washed clean. Uh, and like Anna so beautifully sang about in that song, that, man, my sins were as scarlet. They were disgusting. It was really gross in here. Um, but God washed it white as snow. He made it clean. Uh, and, and, and so sharing the good news of the gospel, the, the message of reconciliation, here's what God has done for you in Jesus uh, so that you could be made new, so that you can have a relationship with him. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So verse 20 there, that's where Caiapha gets its name. Uh, the, the Greek words that in our English Bible become Christ's ambassadors, uh, Christos, Apostoli in the Greek, those first two Greek letters is where we get the Chi and the Alpha for our name. So when you think about man, why Caiapha, Caiapha just means Christ's ambassadors. Christ's ambassadors to for us, the University of Memphis, right? Um, pleading with people, hey, be reconciled to God. Do you have a relationship with God? Have you met Jesus? 
And let, let, me, let me share what Jesus has done for me. Uh, and let me share with you the good news of the gospel. If you've not heard it, uh, and what's available for you in Christ. And, and, and we get to be Christ's ambassadors, representing Christ uh, and in, the, in the halls of this campus uh, and in the courtyards of this campus to, to classmates, to lab partners, to co-workers, to neighbors, to uh, roommates, to sweetmates, to strangers, to professors, to TAs. And we get to represent Jesus to them. So the United States, we have ambassadors all over the world, right? Diplomats all over the world. What is the, the purpose of an ambassador? What's the job of an ambassador? Yeah, just represent their home country. So, so our ambassador in France or our ambassador in Germany is representing the interests of the United States among those people. Um, so the, you know, for, for you guys here, for the most part, that I know most of you guys are United States citizens, but the moment that you put your trust uh, in Jesus, you're not only a United States citizen, you're also a citizen of heaven, right? That your eternal home uh, is now eternally in heaven with God, and, man, our time spent in the United States or wherever else in the world is only temporary, right? We're only here for a season. My, my home is eternally in heaven with God. But in this season while I'm here, I'm here as an ambassador, as a diplomat, representing the interests of a foreign kingdom, representing the interests of a foreign king among a people that, for the most part, do not know him, you know, do not love him, do not serve him, but I get a chance to represent Jesus to them. Um, you know, what, 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 is, what does the kingdom of heaven have to say about this, right? How, how can I represent God's interests in this situation and, and reconcile people to God, plead with people, like it says, be reconciled to God. Man, you don't know Jesus? Today's the day. Today's the day. Be that annoying friend, right? <laughs> that told me, man, do you know Jesus? Because we can pray right now. And, I'm like, no, and, and, and it's not, you know, the Holy Spirit is what draws people, right? We can't save anybody, right? It doesn't matter how beautifully you speak um, and how, how perfectly you say the words or if you have all the right verses, End of the day, it's Holy Spirit that draws people into a relationship with God, right? We just want to be obedient and open our mouths and start those kind of conversations. Let Holy Spirit do the work. Uh, man, maybe you share Christ with a friend. Maybe you share Christ with your roommate, and they just shut it down. Like, nope, I don't want to hear about that. I'm not interested in that. And you're, you're discouraged, right, initially, but, but remind yourself, okay, well, it's not me that saves people anyway. It's the Holy Spirit, right? So I'm going to keep praying for them that the Holy Spirit would draw them into a relationship with God. Um, because if they, if they accept it, if they said, yeah, I want to be a Christian, we want to take credit for that, right? Well, God did such a good job. No, it doesn't. We say, oh, praise God. God, you, you drew them. You, you awakened their heart. You made it where they could believe. So in the same way that we're not going to take any of the credit, I mean, don't, don't blame yourself if they, if they shut it down, if they're not interested. I mean, just keep praying for them and keep bringing it up and keep, keep, keep pushing, right? Um, but but let's, let's plead with people. Plead with people around us. Be reconciled to God. And so what should it look like in our life if we are having an intimate relationship with God, if we're, we're seeking God with all of our heart, that if we really know him, our life should be marked by love. We should love other people really well. Um, you know, it should never be able to be said of us that we are unloving, unkind, ungenerous toward, towards other people. Um, but we want to be a people that just loves people like crazy. And if that's something that does not come naturally, because it doesn't for most of us. Um, man, what comes naturally for a human being is selfishness, right? It's pride. Not laying down my rights so someone else's life can be better. Not laying down myself to serve someone else. So we pray, God, would you help me to love other people? Particularly people that it's difficult for me to love. God, help me to, to forgive. Help me change the way that I see those people. I want to see them like you do so I can love them like you do. Uh, and a person who's in a relationship with God uh, that truly knows God, their life should also be marked by compassion. And man, what are we doing to really serve those around us? I mean, to stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves, to meet the needs of the less fortunate. Uh, what are we doing to reverse injustice in our community? Those kind of things. Our life should be marked by compassion. And then finally, our, our life should be marked by mission. If we're in a relationship with God, 
being blessed by God. We should want that for the people around us as well. And we should be pleading with them, hey, hey, listen what God's done. And be reconciled to God. Today's the day, right? Today's the day. Let me pray with you, uh, man, so you can experience what I've experienced in Jesus. The fullness of love, the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace that I've come to experience in God. Amen? Um, so, as we kind of wrap up uh, tonight and, and wrapping up this series, um, and it is my desire for each and every one of you guys that you would have real relationship with God. That, 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 and maybe you grew up in the church, right, so you're familiar with Christianity, but maybe for you it's just been, I'm a Christian, so that means I believe this, this, and this, and that means I do these things and I don't do these other things. Um, but, but if I were to say, man, do you have a real relationship with God? That you really know God? So now I don't know if I do, but I want to tonight. Right? We're going to have a chance to pray for you. And you say, Matt, man, I'm, I'm trying to grow in a relationship with God, but I know my life is not marked by these things the way that it should. Hey, that's me too. I can grow in every single one of these areas as well. I'll be the, be the first to, to say, man, I need help. God, I need, I need your help to make me more loving, more compassionate, to be more man, omniscient, aware of the spiritual needs of the people around me uh, and, and their need to hear the gospel and their need for Jesus. Um, so I want to take a chance to pray man, that, that, that God would draw us into a closer walk with him. May help our lives to be full of these things. Amen.